0: Welcome to Mutuality Matters, Gender Theology for the Gospel Empowerment of Men and Women. I am Erin Moniz, here with my co-host Blake Dean, and today, y'all, we are excited to host author Kristen Padilla. Who is this, you may ask? Well, she graduated with a B.A. from... Cheetah. I have no idea how to say that. Baptist University and an MDiv from Beeson Divinity School in Birmingham. After graduating from seminary, she began a blog, wrote Bible studies for the Women's Missionary Union, contributed articles to the Alabama Baptist newspaper, spoke at retreats, including a retreat for the Baptist University, I can't pronounce, as Young Women's Call to Ministry. Um, she mentored Young Women's Call to Ministry and started teaching regularly at her church, the Cathedral Church of the Advent. She is currently marketing and communication Director for Beeson Divinity School. Um, in this position, she is an editor of a devotional booklet that goes out twice a year and a magazine. She also produces a weekly podcast. Additionally, Padilla began a discernment process to explore the possibility of formal ministry within her church and denomination. Her first book, Now That I'm Called, A Guide for Women Discerning a Call to Ministry, was released in 2018 by Zondervan Academic. Her hopes for the book include that it is uh, that God will use it to encourage and raise up young women who he is calling for gospel ministry. And oh boy, we are excited to have her on this podcast. Um, So Blake Dean, we're about to listen to this with her. What should listeners be listening for, for this podcast? What are we going to hear?
1: Man, it was such a joy to get to talk with her, mainly because I know a lot of people that have either read her book um, previously or are currently reading her book, specifically Young Women. Um, I think she just offers a really um, articulate, thoughtful, nuanced perspective on what it is to be a woman discerning a call to ministry, perhaps coming from places where um, and traditions where that is not um, as legitimate of an option or as wide of an option. And so I think she gives some really practical advice. I think she um, shares a lot from her own life and journey through her discernment um, process. And then also introduces our listeners to some of our shared friends, such as Perpetua and Macrina. And um, if only for that, I'm excited for the listeners to hear, but um, I loved our conversation with Kristen Padilla and I'm excited for everybody to get to meet her.
0: All right, let's take a listen. Well,
1: we are so excited to be here with Kristen Padilla. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: We're so excited that you would be here and be willing to join us. Um, And as our listeners know, and as you just found out, we start every episode with a segment we like to call Watch, Read, or Listen, um, where instead of rambling on for 10 minutes about useless banter, we give you recommendations, whether prestigious or non, um, about things you should be watching, reading, or listening to. Um, Erin, what are you watching, reading, or listening to?
0: So this is a little, I'm a little ashamed to admit this, but, um, you know, we've been running through the Netflix gamut since pandemic began. And the other night, Mike and I decided to watch Parks and Rec for the first time. We, I know we, we never have seen it. So we're like in season three. I know I can hear the booze coming like through <laughs> like the listeners, but no, we've, and we've been enjoying it. Like mockumentaries are a lot of fun, but we we're just now getting on that train. FYI. So right now we're, we're binging our way through parts and Rick.
1: I love it. Well, let me add another TV show recommendation that Go for um, Aaron, my fiance and I just started maybe three nights ago. And it's so good. It's called homecoming. It's on prime. It's about um, this facility created by a private corporation that ostensibly is there to help. Um, veterans that just recently came back from deployment, but there's something really fishing going on. And the woman played by like Julia Roberts um, is the administrator and it flashes to the future where she no longer works there, but she can't remember why she quit. Very good. Highly recommend Homecoming. Homecoming.
0: I've never heard of it, but it's a very you recommendation, Blake Dean. Thank you I will so have much. to say only you can find something obscure and interesting like that. Well, so. is it
1: obscure if Julia Roberts is in it? Okay, <laughs> <don't know>. fair <laughs> enough. It's true. Yeah,
0: no, no, no. Spot. Well done.
1: Yes. Does it make me want to watch Notting Hill again? Absolutely. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Kristen, what about you? What are you watching, reading, or listening to?
2: You had me with Julia Roberts. Uh, <laughs> I love her. I, I do too. And Prime Video and Netflix have has been such a saving grace (laughs) during (laughs) quarantine. Um, I'll share with what I've been reading. Um, I've been reading some books on the Reformation because I have a new project underway um, on women of the Reformation. So uh, I've been doing a lot of research and even at a, a used bookstore in Florida where we were just visiting, found this huge book on luther that was and i don't even remember who the author is um but i bought it um i felt like it was a good find and so i've been thumbing through that um and then for pleasure reading really i've been reading amy bird's new book recovering yeah. from the womanhood and womanhood um and I'm, I'm about halfway through that book so that's that's what i've been reading
0: fantastic cool.
1: yeah well, number one, I want to congratulate you on two years since your book, Now That I'm Thank Called, you. came out. It was recently the anniversary. It um, was. And that is so huge. We um, really enjoyed your book, and we know that um, we both lived and Aaron worked um, or works at a college campus in Georgia called Berry College, and we know that some of the students there have been reading your books oh, over the last year thanks. or so. So that's that's how you first came on my radar is I had a couple like a couple people around me were reading your book and i was like i haven't heard of that what is that um and they spoke very highly of it so i finally got to read it um and so in your book that's called now that i'm called um you write about the many reasons why maybe you were compelled to write a book for women discerning the callings and unique challenges they face in the midst of that i wonder if you could talk about maybe some reasons what like what led you to write the book and who is the book for
2: yeah, so I wrote the book for my younger self, um, really, uh, not to sound uh, narcissistic, but uh, I, uh, when I was discerning a call to ministry as a teenager in the Southern Baptist Church, I had no resources to help me as a woman. And, uh, as, as God continued to lay this, uh, book idea and need on my heart, uh, through seminary and after seminary, I, um, felt like God was opening the door for me to write that book that I felt like I had needed. Um, so I, so you don't have to be 16 or 15 (laughs) to read the book, um, but it is written for women who are discerning a call to vocational ministry. We're all called to ministry um, in the church. And actually, I've heard from a lot of women who, for whom the book has benefited uh, them, even though they wouldn't say I'm called to a church leadership position. Um, but so, for any woman, uh, young or older, who is on that journey, I wanted to uh, be a an encouraging voice, um, for, to, for them. Um, but also I wanted at, at a very basic level and, uh, maybe even elementary level, but it was something that I desperately needed as a, as a young woman, um, was to show them in scripture that, uh, that God calls them, um, not, uh, as an accident or, uh, kind of as a, uh, afterthought um, that their gender doesn't uh, prohibit them from serving their Lord and Savior and using their God-given gifts. And it sounds so basic, um, especially even two years after the book. um, I think about that. That's such a basic thing. You, You know, elementary truth, you would think that we should all grasp by now, but for many of us, uh, we've grown up in contexts where that, uh, hasn't been the teaching and hasn't been the case. So, um, really wanted to encourage them in that, in that regard.
1: Um, I wonder, was there a moment for you where you, um, not only felt personally called, but realized that your, um, femaleness didn't disqualify you from being called? No, even if you didn't understand what that calling was, like, was there um, a person in scripture that was really, you give many examples in your book that I'm excited to talk about, but um, I want, was there a moment for you or an example for you in that?
2: Uh, you know, it's been kind of an, I talk about uh, just our lives, our Christian lives, our callings being a journey. And so it's still one of those journeys of, discovery, I guess, um, in regard to your question. Uh, I would say, and I say this in the book and the introduction, but from a very early age, uh, I cried to my parents, you know, real tears. Why didn't God make me a boy so I could be a preacher? So even though my dad, who is a Southern Baptist pastor, never said, Kristen, you can never do what I'm doing because you're a female. He didn't have to say anything like that because that's just what I saw. And I remember in college, and I was a communications minor, hearing about, uh, learning about the power of nonverbal communication, um, having sometimes even more of an impact than verbal communication. So uh, nonverbally, the only people I saw in ministry leadership roles were men. So uh, from a very early age, I was trying to, uh, even though I couldn't articulate it this way, Um, but I was trying to work out, okay, where does my, my desire and what I, sense God is calling me to do, how does that fit with me being a female in the church, Um, and that has a lot of layers that I'm still (laughs) realizing and uncovering, and I'll give you one example. Um, A few years ago, my husband and I, so we're now Anglican, and, uh, or have been for the last, oh gosh, i least lose track of time, maybe four or five years. Um, but we, we were talking about, uh, ordination and serving in the church. And my husband said, well, Kristen, have you ever, uh, don't, do, do you have a desire to serve, um, communion like the bread and the wine, um, to, to the parishioners? And I said, oh, I, I don't, I don't know. And he said, what do you mean you don't know? And I realized in our conversation that that was an area of ministry I even, I never had considered, like I hadn't even allowed my imagination to be open to the possibility of what would it be like for me to be able to say to someone else, um, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of your sins. I never even imagined it because, um, or questioned it because it was just, even as an Anglican where I saw women participating in the communion service, it just never entered my mind, never crossed my mind that, um, I, as a woman could, could, do that or to participate in that ministry um so that's just one example where even you know just recently i'm realizing that there are these layers that i'm still working through of what does it mean to be a woman and to minister but i guess going to your question uh i i have always felt called or at least um you know for a long time now <laughs> it feels like a long time now um to a word based ministry and it was really end of college in seminary into seminary that and even after seminary that i uh, came to the conclusion from reading scripture and thinking theologically um that I, as a woman could have a word based ministry and um yeah. So even even to say that, you know, I just said from the end of college to after seminary, it's just one of those uh, processes.
0: Wow. Yeah. I I resonate with your story. Um, growing up Southern Baptist, I remember feeling like a call to ministry when I was around eleven. And uh, some some folks know part of my story, but in in summary, I had an enlightening conversation. Um, where I was told, oh, you know, at, at the time I was looking at youth ministry, and they were like, oh, women can't can't be youth ministers, and I was just, I was kind of shocked because I'd grown up learning about Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon and all these different people, and then I, I get to this point, and I was, and I asked, just okay, what, so what can I do? What what can I do as a woman? And I was given three options: I could teach children. I could teach Sunday school, and I'd been in enough Sunday school to know I probably didn't want to do that. Or, um, and the third one's my favorite: I could marry a minister.
2: Yes, <laughs> which you know,
0: I just love it because it's like, what vocational track does a person have to be on to guarantee this this form of ministry? But, um, but wrestling with some of the same same questions and ideas, and and even in in the latter part of what you were just saying about. The types of ministry that we think about, it's it's almost like sometimes we get so sunken in to the topic of women into like ordained leadership positions, like really specific um, leadership positions within the church that we forget about this whole theology of vocation that allows for a number of things. So, So I'm a deacon in the ACNA, and because I know I'm not called to be a priest, because Lord help the church people who would have to deal with me and I would have to deal with them. It is not like it is, it is not a ministry. And for the longest time, I didn't even entertain the thought of ordained ministry because I knew I didn't want to be the person overseeing the church. Um, And I just didn't think much else about that. And the role of deacon for me was this sort of perfect thing that I would have never considered um, because I, I hadn't broadened the scope of understanding like, oh, women should be we able to move into all like these different spaces and do different things and so i appreciate not only your 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 anecdotal um lead in at the intro of the book i was just like amening it all the way through um but i also love that you get into this theology of vocation because I think we do get mired down talking about women's ordination, and it becomes very narrow and singular. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more. Um, and now, we want people to go by your book, so we're, we just want to kind of like, give a teaser here, but some people may have never even heard of this idea, this theology of vocation, that we're all called into into the ministry of the gospel, and thinking about that before we even really think about vocational ordained ministry. So can you talk a little bit, can you give maybe a little insight for our listeners about what we mean by theology of vocation?
2: Oh, yeah. And and in some respects I'm listening and thinking, uh, you know, uh, that I may not even be the best person (laughs) to lay this out here, but uh, as it pertains to ministry, gospel ministry, I do believe that we are all called to be ministers of Jesus Christ. Um, witnesses to the truth and to his word um, to a broken world and we see this worked out through scripture and even Israel being described as a light to the Gentiles and a light to the nations Um, and then Paul talking uh, I guess in a negative way about uh, idleness uh, especially to uh, the church the church in uh, Thessalonica so uh there's the sense in which uh when god redeems us and brings us into his kingdom he has given us all a task and um, has gifted us for that task with the holy spirit um and and paul talks about this you know with the body um describes about the body and we all have um, a role to play that's really important for the thriving of the church um and it's interesting, I think sometimes, at least from my experience, we uh, start the conversation with um, a very high hierarchy or high, um, top-down view of, um, well, here's, here's like these big important roles and then here's everyone else. Almost like a, a power authority type structure uh, as a, sometimes a starting place. And I would also add that sometimes, uh, we need to be aware that a lot of the ways that we, uh, and I hate to use this phrase, but do church in the States, um, is impacted by a business CEO model. Um, Mm -hmm. but when you start that approach in that way versus starting from, okay, what does it mean that we are all in Christ and we are all hidden in Christ, united with him, and we're all gifted with the Holy Spirit, um, then I think that that opens up um, a lot of possibilities and um, just a wonderful work of, of working together, working together for the same um, gospel, for the same mission. Um, in to use a word in your podcast, in mutuality and 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 in love uh, for the other. I think that that is at least in my estimation, uh, how I read scripture and, and Paul and Jesus. I mean, Paul learned all of this from Jesus. Um, So that ministry vocation is a, or theology vocation, excuse me, is a really important um, framework and, and uh, uh, foundation to then talk about, okay, then what does it look like to have a calling to lead in the church or to serve in ordained ministry. Uh, So that's, that's a very short (laughs) answer to your question. Would you have anything to add to that, Erin?
0: Oh, gosh, no, that's that's perfect. I think uh, I, I'm thinking about a lot of my students who are, are reading your book or maybe like in a place where they should buy your book and, and start reading it for their own, you know, piece of their discernment process. But um, a lot of what we do here that we almost have to kind of start with when working with students is the theology of vocation, which is something that I never really even thought about for kind of an embarrassing amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think about, um, so now it's something we talk about a ton in college ministry, but, um, and I, you know, there's so many great, uh, people who have, who have talked about this. I, I'm a, I'm a Amy Sherman fan and, 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 her book about theology of vocation and, um, all these, all these different, uh, ways of understanding that we are all called into kingdom work, mm-hmm. um, and helping that because all of our students are trying to discern what, what they're going to do and what's next. And there is that hierarchy that you describe. Sometimes we think about like the real Christian jobs and Mm -hmm. then like everybody else. Um, And I think for women, because we do have that added step, we have that sort of added complexity that, that our gender throws in um, to Mm -hmm. the discernment process. um, Having those foundations is, is so important, but I, I'm, I'm sad in the fact that like growing up, I never heard sermons about a theology of vocation, which is really shocking to me now because we all spend a really huge chunk of our life at work. The concept is pretty important. You have this congregation full of people and we're not really talking about it, you know, mm-hmm. from the pulpit. So that's, that's always been interesting to me. But now in, in college ministry, as I know, you know, it's, it's just essential Yeah, to have that, to have that conversation. But so great because we also have to have harder and more nuanced conversations when working with our young ladies who are discerning their call and their place in that kingdom work.
2: Yeah. And isn't Luther and some of the reformers, they did some work, Mm
0: but
2: I don't want to uh, over say it here, but like groundbreaking work on a theology of vocation. And um, I think we would do well to continue to draw from, from the reformers and then move the conversation forward, you know, continue, continue, uh, reforming, even the way we think about vocation and work. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think Erin, you hit on this a little bit, and I would love to hear your thoughts, Kristen, on this. Cause as I was reading your book, um, I was really, um, I found myself being really grateful and thankful, um, and, and really knowing who I would hand this book to. And I think that's, I love when that's the experience is when I'm like, oh, I think these specific people in my life and this type of person generally would be the person that I would hand this to first. Um, and the people that I came up with were all um, young women whom I love, who maybe grew up in contexts that taught them explicitly or implicitly something really specific about women in leadership or women in ministry, and um, but they're not quite ready to have that conversation yet because they really want to be faithful to scripture. And I, that's something I um, admire a lot about you is how um, well you hold scripture and how well and reverently I think that it comes across even in your book, that scripture is really important to you as well as us here. And it's hard. um, If I could have a quick uh, sidebar before I, you know, ask my question um, is, I think it's hard sometimes when we talk about gender or women's ordination or power dynamic Aaron and I talk often about how often we can get sucked into one of two extremes on that one being first Timothy two says everything and the other being a post-Christian kind of rejection of scripture in the first place and I'm like well I'm not particularly comfortable um with either hermeneutical mood, m- mode and so that's something I really appreciate about your book I wonder what would you say to maybe that young woman who um isn't really ready to have the conversation about like, am I a complementarian or egalitarian? I just really want to know what God says about me and what, um, I don't know what, what my calling could look like.
2: Yeah. Uh, to start answering your question and you touched on this, and this is something that I was talking to my husband about yesterday. Uh, thinking from, again, from my own experience, uh, how much fear and time and, oh gosh, I don't know the right adjective here, but it has taken for me to work through this because the, the issue of gender and the way it was presented within my denomination was so. Closely tied and linked to the gospel of Jesus Christ, so mm. to to so to veer in any way or to nuance or to disagree um, based on based on scripture was almost like uh, from there. You know what I would hear from them, maybe not to me directly, but just you know mm-hmm. on blogs or on the website or elsewhere was. Oh, slippery slope. Oh, you're going to yeah. go into heresy. Oh, you're going to become liberal. And so it created a sense of, I'm afraid to even mm-hmm. um, to even think through this for myself through scripture or to even say, okay, this, what I'm holding to right here is, or, or what I'm saying here is biblical. Um, even if they don't say it's biblical. Um, so I think I say that because I think that's where a lot of young women are Mm -hmm. and I understand it and I am still having to deal with that, um, to even for some, and this again, for me to even say the word egalitarian felt like, you know, you're going to be excommunicated from maybe not the church, but from those, uh, those groups. Uh, you will never write for us. We won't include you in things. Uh, you know, just a loss of certain communities. So to even to sound like, you know, I'm going to, you know, into a, a place where I even sound like an egalitarian, um, takes a lot of courage for women. So I think that's where a lot of uh, conservative women are. Um, from my experience working at a seminary, I, there, there is a struggle for a lot of our women who uh, align theologically with conservative churches, but yet don't have a place to serve and are often um, minimized, uh, uh, not appreciated, Uh, put up walls because of their gender, because they're a woman. So it's almost like I belong theologically, but I don't belong vocationally here at the church. On the flip side, they might say, I I, uh, fit theologically. I mean, I don't fit theologically at these other churches, but they're accepting of me and they're providing me a space to serve. Um, so I'm not answering your question yet directly, but I think it's important to understand like where a lot of our women are. Um, and then, and now I've forgotten your question.
1: (laughs) I I think you did a magnificent job. I think that was the, that, that was the answer to my question. That wasn't even particularly a question, um, but no, thank you for that. I love the way you say that the, sometimes the experiences that you don't, you may not feel you fit theologically or you do fit theologically, but even just in your body, don't fit in the ways that maybe you. Um... Yes.
2: And sometimes, okay. I know where I'm going here. Um, <laughs> y'all are ever going to ask me back. Um, <laughs> if you are, if you are a female in those very conservative spaces, you almost need to ask God for his help to give you permission to study scripture for yourself even if it leads you to different conclusions than your pastor or other people you love and respect in the church. Because as you said, um, as you were asking the question, we all want to be biblical. We do have a high view of, a, uh, of scripture. Um, uh, we want to be obedient to God. Um, but It may, we may discover as we are doing our hermeneutics, as we're doing our exegesis, as we're doing our, um, theology, we may discover that we actually haven't been obedient to God in some areas of our lives. So I would say to young women, um, that maybe you need to ask God to, to give you the courage, um, to, to give yourself permission to really explore and ask God for his help, um, as you wrestle with this, um, topic of calling, uh, to ministry, calling to the church, calling to ordination. Um, because at the end of the day, I would encourage them, any who are listening, uh, that we want to be obedient to God and not to man. Um, so that's, that's really, really important. And, uh, Yeah, so I think Mm -hmm. I got around to your question, maybe. I think you
1: (laughs) clarified my question. I wonder if I could ask another related question um, and if you'd be comfortable giving maybe some pastoral advice to uh, maybe women who find themselves in a tradition or a denomination or even maybe just like a specific church um, that is not comfortable affirming their ability to either preach authoritatively or lead in specific capacities, but maybe they um, feel called to those places and maybe they have done their work and maybe they are doing the homework and are wrestling with scripture in that process. I wonder what is in a world that tells them that they should just like leave and get out and go find what would fit better. I wonder what is your, um, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. And this is, this, this, an- that my answer to this question has uh, changed over the past couple of years, um, especially as i become a uh, more convinced and in in what i believe the bible teaches about women and so my response and of course take it for what it is to those who are listening but it would be to find a church where you can serve um to if if that's possible now i'm not for just church hopping and leaving and i'm all for being a committed member of the of the church and being rooted um, but I believe again that it's more important to be obedient to God and to discern okay if God is calling me to a certain kind of ministry then finding that place where I can use my gifts and be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ um, you know it would not surprise me if there is a revival in the denominations that have, that we would say are, um, dying or are more liberal that would accept women to serve, um, those places where maybe we are not theologically (laughs) as comfortable. Um, maybe God puts women there to bring a a revival, um, to bring the true gospel Mm. of our Lord back to those places. I don't know, but God could do it. You know, um, and that's not everyone's calling, but I'm just saying that the, the possibility is there. Um, but it, you know, I, I would not encourage being in a place where you're constantly frustrated. You're constantly, um, uh, put at arm's length from using your gifting, um, where you, again, just where you cannot, um, work out your calling and trembling and fear, um, to the Lord. And, ho- you know, my prayer is that pastors and church leaders and elders um, will have that sense of, I, I'm going to be accountable to the Lord for how I stewarded the gifts of every member of my church. Um, so I would want to be in a church like that, um, where I'm serving with and um, alongside uh, pastors and leaders that have that kind of view of women and, and men.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that, Christina. It's
2: just refreshing
0: to hear, um, you say, Hey, this is, this is an evolution that I've been on. This is sort of where I've come and, and what scripture compels me towards. Um, because I think if there's anything we can do with this podcast and this episode specifically is to, is to speak out to the young women who who do take the Bible seriously, who who maybe come from conservative traditions, who are very in love with Jesus and committed to the gospel and the kingdom, but who are 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 wrestling with these dichotomies, wrestling with these these sort of circles where it's like if I stay, I I may not get to live out my calling, but but if I leave is is the only choice to hold loosely to things that I'm not prepared to hold loosely to mm-hmm. and 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 you know in in the faith tradition and so for for myself for Blake for so many of us who find ourselves in that weird tension um we just want to let you know look you are not alone we are here this book has been written to help you through you you have avenues um because I know for me my, my vocational discernment was delayed i didn't I didn't go to seminary until I was 29. Um, for two reasons, one, because I, I just, I knew as soon as I would, the conversations would start. I would have to give an answer to the questions asked of me. And I honestly was just tired and didn't want a dog in that fight. And second of all, um, I, I'd sort of kind of gotten to a point where I was like, well, I don't really care about what all you people think, but I still wasn't a hundred percent sure what God thought about me as a woman attempting this, like truly, I just didn't want to do something that was explicitly not right. And I still even just that little bit was left where I wasn't fully convinced. And and so this leads me to a topic that I, I would love to hear your thoughts on, which is mentorship. And you talk a lot about um, this in your book. It's a big theme throughout your book and um, ways that people can engage mentors now. Um, I, for, for the reasons that you mentioned, Writing your book, um, similar to to how I situate myself in my job at the college, is to try to be for some of the young women what I didn't have for myself, and so I try to be that to like almost my younger self, you know, just sort of kind of going back in time and 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 redoing that now. But I would love if you could talk to us a little bit about why mentorship is so important how young ladies can seek out mentors how while they're wrestling with scripture and reading your book and having these conversations they can connect with folks especially if they're in traditions that where they don't see as many women in in their churches who are providing that leadership for them so can you just talk a little bit about
2: that yeah i love that question Erin. and you know Growing up in the 90s is much different than growing up today. You have greater access (laughs) to people through uh, the internet and uh, social media. And so that is a blessing that I think we as women and men can use, uh, especially as it relates to being mentored. Um, you had mentioned about, uh, one of the vocations that was offered to you as being a pastor's wife. And I may have mentioned this in my book, but, uh, my first female mentor in my, I guess, discernment of vocational ministry was a female college, uh, not minister, female college professor in our uh, Christian studies department. And she's mentioned in the book, Dr. Barbara Pemberton, and I love her so much. Um, but I was sitting across from her desk, this, I have blocked out this memory. I think I'm really good at blocking out things I don't want to remember, <laughs> but she remembered. <laughs> and she said that, you know, as a freshman, I sat across from her desk and she asked me cause I had declared, um, the a, a Christian studies major. And she asked me what it was that I felt called to do. And I told her that you know that I felt called to ministry, and I guess it meant being a pastor's wife. Um, mm, and she, wow. isn't that amazing? Um, <laughs> but she looked, and again, like how do you apply for that?
1: <laughs> right. I just don't understand I, the logistics.
2: <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, so she looked across her desk and looked me in the eyes and said, "Kristen." You do not have to be a pastor's wife in order to do ministry. And her speaking uh, truth into me broadened my horizons and really brought some freedom. Um, Now, if if you're a man listening to this, imagine the freedom it gives women to hear that you don't have to marry someone who's going to be X. ex to to be able to serve the lord um so she was a huge influence and taught me a lot about mentoring and uh, uh, really lived that out and i and i see it all throughout scripture which i talk about in the book um and even so so there's val- there's extreme value in being intentionally mentored by someone um was either older than you or i was recently mentored by a minister a, a, a female minister at the church where we go the cathedral church at the advent deborah layton and she um was only a few years older than me but she had been serving in ordained ministry for i don't know many years and had a lot of experience. And so even though she was a couple of years older than me, she was, she was a great mentor um, as I, um, even many years after seminary, with, as, am still working out my calling. Um, so there's, a, there's great value in that intentional uh, one-on-one mentoring. But we're also mentored uh, by people, whether we know we're being mentored or not. And so that's why I would say it would be a um, value uh, to be intentional by who you're shadowing or who you're around. Um, and I'll give a what I, an example by what I mean. My dad, I've mentioned is a pastor, and I didn't connect the dots until a few years ago. So there is a woman in our church who, long story, so I'll make it short, she connected with me. Um, it was just one of those things she connected with me and I, you know, loved her and was glad to be connected with her. Um, she fell and that, um, when she fell, it started a series of like downward turns that ended up, you know, leading her to hospice and, and to, she died. Um, but when she, from the moment that she entered the hospital up into, um, her deathbed, I went to those, those spaces, um, to visit with her. And I remember the first time I went to do a, like a hospital visit to minister to this woman. Um, I remember standing outside her door because they were bathing her and I kept thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? And then it dawned on me that my dad had taken with, taken me with him to countless hospital visits. So I all of a sudden could picture and remember my dad sitting by, standing by someone who was sick, someone who was on their deathbed, ministering to them. So when I entered into a room, those, you know, the way I ministered and in those situations just became a natural thing that I was doing because I'd, I had actually been mentored by my dad. Um, so that's what an example of what I mean, you know, we have those intentional mentorship, um, relationships, um, but we can easily be by, mentored by people, um, that we don't maybe even realize at the time we're being mentored um, by. So all that to say is, um, you know, pray for, seek out people, um, in your life who can pour into you, God, and, and, and pray and ask God that he will provide those people that you can pour into, um, which that has been a joy of mine being at Beeson Divinity School, um, on staff is, is, is not part of my job description, but I have the unique opportunity to serve as a mentor to female, um, as students at, you know, at the school. And, and so it's a joy that, you know, you uh, are, are uh, learning and growing underneath the shepherding of someone else. And then you're, you're uh, passing that on to other people. It's disciple making, you know, is really what it is. Um, but it's all has great value for your work and calling and, and ministry for sure.
0: Yes. Oh, thank you so much. That I I hope all our listeners out there are feeling something in this conversation and it is moving you to seek mentors and to seek people to engage this conversation with because it really is a game changer um, when the community that God has provided comes around you and helps you navigate what is oftentimes just a very tricky time of, of vocational discernment, especially if you are female and especially if you are feeling uh, a call to vocational ministry. So um, so Kristen, there's so much uh, that that we could still continue to talk about. Your book has, has uh, so much wonderful stuff in it, and we recommend listeners um, go and purchase her book now that I'm called. But um, because we're nearing the end of our time, we want to give you a few minutes to tell us about other projects, other works that you're doing, how our listeners can follow you and uh, know about your work. So just sound off for a little bit and uh, tell us about that
2: yeah thank you for asking and for uh helping to promote the book uh uh what am i working on well i i will say and you may say this in your intro but i do work full-time at the seminary so juggling full-time work and then we have my husband and i have a son especially (laughs) during (laughs) quarantine Whole new reality of (laughs) of schooling and other, other uh, supervision. Uh, So juggling all of that uh, has been a challenge, but I, as I mentioned, I have a book um, forthcoming with that I'm co-writing with Dr. Timothy George. who was a founding Dean of Beeson Divinity School and he is a Reformation scholar. And so I'm the wannabe scholar, uh, that is tagging along for the ride. <laughs> um, really, he so the book is on women of the Reformation, and there have been some some books um, about women. Um, we have quite a few monographs about several of these women. We have some um, books that are written more of, for a lay audience, introducing people to these women. But, but what we want to do is to provide Uh, I say snapshot, but a a, um, well-rounded and deep snapshot of uh, women from the Reformed tradition, the Lutheran tradition, the the, the Anglican tradition, um, even some Catholic um, women, and then um, a few Anabaptist women um, showing their contr- who were they, their contributions to the Reformation, and how can we retrieve their contributions for the church today? So we hope that it will be used as a textbook, um, and you know I really pray and hope that God will use their stories and their contributions to be another layer of encouragement and examples to other women who are discerning a call, who are in ministry, um, that they are part of this rich heritage of women in church history. Um, so that, that is, um, a big project and I'm grateful for Dr. George, um, allowing me to, to, you know, go along for the ride. Um, and then I have a couple of other things. I, so I have a, in my phone, I have like 20 book title ideas, you know, that you're, I'm always thinking, Oh, this would be great. And this would be great. Um, that I will never write. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, y'all, you may, some of you may relate. Um, but I do have a, several, theological questions that I'm really interested in as it pertains to women and, and, uh, really a theological, um, more of a theological, some theological questions. So, you know, maybe one day I'll get to those. We'll, we'll see, but that's, that's kind of what I'm working on right now.
1: I love it. They, I am so excited about that reformation project. I'm, um, I will be a student of yours and Dr. George's work. I'm really stoked about that. Thank you. Um, and thank you for giving a little kind of preview of what that's looking like. And maybe of w- w- at least one of the other 20 titles. <laughs> <I know>. um, <laughs> and contrary to your previous statement, we would love to have you back because this was a joy and a
0: delight. And thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you for having me. It was so fun.
0: Ah. Oh. Man, that was such a great I love interview. Isn't <laughs> she so wonderful? She was so fun to talk to. Um, and guys, I hope so you learned kind. so much. Um, I love the story about learning from her father and going into the hospital mm. room. And um, she's just she's just so wonderfully articulate and just was just shared so much of herself with us. And
1: I cannot wait for the forthcoming project about women in the reformation. Oh gosh. I'm so excited. I didn't know before we did the interview, I had no idea that she was working on that. So I'm stoked about that.
0: Yes, so listeners, be on the lookout for her new project. But definitely, in the meantime, go pick up her book. Now that I'm Called: A Guide for Women Discerning Call to Ministry. If you are a woman discerning call to ministry, or if you are a ministry leader who have mm. young women who you want to disciple and mentor in this process, it is a little bit trickier process for women. And the, this resource is is just such a help and, and wonderful way for for us to engage that topic with the people around us. Um, so, uh, she, we're going to have everything in the show notes for you, um, so that you can follow her and, uh, get linked up to the book, but we hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Um, and if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. See, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can leave us a rating or review on whatever podcast uh, platform you use. We really appreciate you uh, connecting with other listeners and we also love your feedback also if you really love the podcast <laughs> you should join our patreon um, we have a patreon account and you can receive early releases of podcast episodes as well as varying additional content from your favorite co-hosts and um, it is it's just something sweet for our listeners and a way to support the podcast so so please go um, check that out Um, Well, it's been good to be with you today. I'm Erin Moniz with my co-host Blake Dean and our fabulous producer, Bailey Dingley. We are Mutuality Matters. Thanks for listening.